Amen. <clears throat> That's awesome. I hope when you go to work tomorrow, you just sing on the way to work. I think that'd be pretty sweet. So, uh, glad that you're here. Glad to worship together. If you're new, uh, we're going to look into God's Word for a little bit, and then we're going to have a space for communion or just reflecting on what you're talking about, what you're hearing, what God's moving in your heart, and then a couple more songs of worship before we end tonight. So that's kind of where we're going. Uh, reductionism is this approach uh, of taking really, really complex things and trying to break them down into just like the sum of the parts or, or like to try to even bring it down to one part. And the, the issue with that is sometimes when you reduce things down far enough, you can actually think that of what you've reduced is the whole. Like if you're looking at a car engine, it, well, of course, every car needs an engine in order to go, but the engine is not equal to the car. And so you can't just reduce it all the way down. And sometimes when we reduce things down, it, it, it can lose it if we don't forget how big it really is. And the gospel is so much bigger and better than you ever thought it was. And we've been trying to unpack that and kind of uh, get our arms around that a little bit this month. And so I just invite you, if you missed any of that, you missed the first couple of weeks that David did a great job kind of unpacking this, the whole uh, story of God from beginning of time on into now and the whole creation. And just invite you to go back through the app or online to, to, to check that out. You can open up the app right now, go down to sermon notes and follow along for tonight if you want. But sometimes it, it's important for us to kind of see the bigness of something. So a little big quiz. You ready? A little big quiz. Okay, yeah. So um, what is the biggest mountain, tallest mountain on our planet? Anyone know? Mount Everest. Highest mountain because it's the highest mountain above sea level. So above sea level, 29,035 feet. The 35 feet is really important. Okay. You wouldn't look at one peak of Mount Everest and go, okay, that's Mount Everest. No, no. You got to see the whole thing, right? In order to appreciate the grandness of it. Anyone know where the highest, tallest building is on our planet? Anyone know? Dubai, right? Uh, it's the Burt Khalifa, uh, 164 floors. We're talking 2,718 feet. Could you imagine riding that elevator to the top? And if you're an Elf fan, could you imagine someone pushing all the buttons the whole way down both sides. We're like, see you next week, right? This is 164 floors. Anyone know the largest ship ever constructed? The Nock Nevis, because none of us live near an ocean. We have no idea what this is. We don't know. We don't, uh, so the Nock Nevis was the largest moving man-made object on planet Earth ever created. It was decommissioned in 2009. It was 1,504 feet Longer than the Empire State Building laid down sideways. Longer than four football fields. That's huge. It was a tanker. It would hold oil and ship it across the waters. And crazy when you begin to think about the largeness and the bigness of those things. And yet, the gospel, friends, is the biggest movement on the planet ever. And we can't allow ourselves to reduce it down to some simple prayer, 
Okay, how do I get right with a holy God so that when I die, I don't end up in the bad place, I go to the good place? Okay, well, that's a benefit, and that's good, and it's great, and I hope you have that, because I got that, and it's awesome. But it's so much bigger than just that. And it's this grand story of God that we're invited into and to be a part of. It's so much bigger. And so, again, we recommended a few different books uh, in here. The King Jesus Gospel uh, was one. We recommended one last week. Eternity is now in session, John Ortberg. Uh, they kind of help you get your mind around that and how you can find your story in God's story of the gospel of what he's going about. And David, again, unpacked kind of the seven-act play of the gospel, the incarnation, Jesus' death and his teaching his death on the cross, his resurrection, the ascension of Christ to where he is and even praying now for you, sending of the Holy Spirit and the second coming of Christ. All of that is the gospel story that we're invited into and to be a part of following King Jesus and giving our allegiance and our dependence upon him and seeking to follow his best and his ways and his story. The good news that the kingdom of God is now through Jesus become available for ordinary you and me to be a part of the story of what God's creating. This story that continues to have a ripple effect across history and will long after you're gone and long after I'm gone. That we get to be a part of that. And so last week we talked about this, this phrase that you're gonna see in your Bibles uh, over about 150 times. And so I'm just gonna encourage you right now that as you read through the New Testament, when you see the word in Christ, circle it. That is a big, big deal. In fact, it's so big that Paul goes about trying to describe what it is a lot of different ways because it can't be described in one particular picture, in one particular definition. It's so broad and so vast and so deep of what it is, and he tries to get at it, and he tries to help us understand that what we've been enfolded into is one who has said yes to Jesus. We are now in Christ. It has changed our identity. That's what we looked at last week. It's called us into participation with what Jesus is up to. And this week, we're gonna look at this idea of that it creates union with God. And, and it gives us an incorporation into the family of God. And that we are drafted, if you will, into a family that you didn't choose, but a family that is for you and for your best when it's done healthy. Now, it could be unhealthy, and that's what we wanna avoid. But when it's done healthy, it's this incredible family that helps you grow in your faith and helps you live and become more and more of who you are created and who you've been redeemed to become. We've been given union that we are with Christ. Our identity has changed, but it's not just our identity. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and placed within us as one who has said yes to faith in Jesus. We are now gifted with the gift of the Holy Spirit and it's Christ's power and presence is now within us to now help us follow him and to walk in obedience with him, to choose his ways more easily and more often. That doesn't make you a robot, because you're not. You're human. You have a free will, so do I. And so we could choose to not choose God's best, or to not go his way, or to not walk in obedience, and we can live with the consequences of those decisions. But in those moments, now as someone who is united with Christ, we are gifted the power and the presence of Christ himself in us. 
that we are united with God. Uh, to kind of get at this a little bit more, uh, I hope you will indulge me in a silly, probably junior high illustration, but it makes sense to me, and maybe it's on my level, and so maybe it'll make sense to you. If you don't like it, uh, write me an email. Uh, but it's just <laughs> to embrace more of who Christ is in us, and now how he labors us to help us be more and more who we've created, been created to be and who he has redeemed us to become. Think of two popular superheroes, Batman, Spider-Man. Batman is rich, it's a benefit, okay? Batman has superpowers, so to speak, but everything is because it's external. It's a gadget or a vehicle or a, a, a thing that he has that helps him live out kind of the superhero life. In comparison, you have Spider-Man, who has some gadgets, a web swinger thing is pretty sweet, let's be honest. But this idea that he was bitten by a radioactive spider, right? There's been some internal change within him that is recreating who he is and how he can be. You are in Christ as a person who has put your faith in Christ. It's not, you're not relying on external things that you try to do or you try to muster up or you try to create or you try to, to get creative with in order to be the person God's created you to be. You're relying on what Jesus has done for you and the work he is doing within you as he's changing you to be more and more who he's created you to be. It's something outside of you has entered into you and it's changing your very nature. You have a power that you did not have before. And it's not something you tried to muster up or not something you tried to create. We draw on the strength and the power of staying connected to God and growing in our connection with him. Not by just trying to muster up strength to do things but to be with him, that we've been united and incorporated into Christ. His source of power is now alive and active within you as you attune yourself to it, as you stay dependent upon it. It's why Jesus taught in John 15 about the vine and the branches. Here's what Jesus said. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. How many of you have ever done yard work? Three people have done yard work. You all are in Tucson, right? And it's just, okay, I've got yard work if you wanna come do it, you want the experience, it's awesome, you should come do it. Um, but if you've ever done yard work and you've cut off branches from trees or vines and you've laid them on the ground, right? And you're like, I'll come back later and pick that up. And then later it turns into like four months later and you go back out there, do they look alive? No, they're like a fire hazard now, right? Because they're all dried out. They've been cut off from the vine. Jesus is trying to prove something here. He's trying to get us to understand. Unless you remain in me, you will not bear much fruit. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the sentence we don't like as Americans. As people, we don't like it. You know, we will, Jesus, like, apart from you, we could do nothing? Like, I, I don't know about other people. I mean, I could do some things. I, I, can, I, could, I could do maybe a little bit more than so-and-so or a little bit more than so-and-so or, like, nothing, period? That was how the sentence ended. 
And Jesus is trying to prove a point. This is about a relational connection. This isn't about you don't have any abilities or you don't have any skills. See, it's not dependent on what you can create and go do. This is about a power that's now active. You've been united with Christ, in Christ. And as you stay dependent upon him, he will produce more in you and through you than you could ever conjure up on your own. That's why the beauty of us being with Jesus in Christ is such a beautiful thing. The branch job is not to produce fruit. Did you know that? The branch's job is to continually receive life from the vine. That's the job of the branch, to stay connected, to abide, to, to make its home there. The fruit then is an external manifestation of what's actually going on inside the branch. It's when we understand, see, none of you, how many of you had a fruit tree growing up at your house or you have a fruit tree now, right? What you want from your fruit tree is for the branches to stay connected to the tree so it produces fruit. Something's going on inside that then has an external uh, manifestation of fruit. No one goes to the fruit tree, buys a bunch of oranges at the store, duct tapes them to their tree, and says, I have an orange tree. I mean, apparently you can tape a banana on a piece of paper and make a lot of money, but I don't know where that came from. Total side note for you art buffs, I guess. Uh, most of you aren't, you apparently missed that joke. So, okay, um, so no one tapes fruit to a fruit tree and says, okay, this is an orange tree or this is a lemon. What's happening inside the branch and the connection that the branch has to the vine or to the tree is what's actually producing the fruit and the fruit is therefore to help stimulate more growth into people going out and to, to bless others and that the seed may continue to go on. This idea of fruit bearing is not something that I produce. It will automatically happen as I stay connected to the vine. That's why Jesus is trying to drive home a point here. It's a big deal. Stay connected to me, and I will produce in you and through you. But if you don't stay connected to me, if you just kind of want to do this on your own, it's kind of your own spiritual thing, and you're not living in the vine, well, then I can't promise that stuff's going to happen. You may tape some fruit up sometimes, but it's not actually being produced through your life. And so Jesus has this invitation, this union with God is this default mode that I live connected to the vine. And as I live connected to the vine, I always seek to bless others. That this will of one who is disconnected from God consistently, continually seeks its own will and its own uh, efforts first, its own desires first and foremost. Instead of living connected to the vine, what it says I'm going to seek to bless. In union, we learn to bless constantly. We bless in the emails that we write to people and how we respond to people. We bless in the conversations that we have and the interactions that we engage in. We bless the food that we make and the seconds that we share with others. We seek to bless others every moment we're in because we're connected to the vine. It's just the way Jesus lived. And as we stay connected to him, we just start living more and more the way he did. And we want to, to live in obedience to that. I love what John writes. As he talks about this, he quotes C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis says this, when Christians say the Christ life is in them, they do not mean simply something mental or moral. That's not simply a way of saying that they are thinking about Christ or trying to copy him. 
they mean that Christ is actually operating through them. The whole mass of Christians are the physical organism through which Christ acts, that we are his fingers, his muscles, the cell of his very body, that we are Christ's body. That's part of being in Christ. We are now united with Christ. It is him who lives in us through his Holy Spirit, empowering us to choose more and more and more often and more quickly that we would do and respond the way he would respond. Now, you're not a robot, and you may choose not to, and I may choose not to. Anyone ever chosen not to respond that way? Yep, raising my hand too. And so it is this dance, the same way that the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. As you just look through the scriptures and you see the way they seek to bless and honor one another, it's the way that we're to live. We're invited into that dance, invited in to say, look, I want to point people to Jesus. I want to point people to the Father. And the Father's empowering us to be more and more like Jesus as the Spirit empowers us. This union of being in Christ, anywhere you see that term, circle it. Begin to put your mind and your heart around that. What does that mean to be in Christ? Well, it's way bigger and better than you thought it was. Friends, as you read through that, circle it. Over 150 different times you'll read it. We've been given union with Christ to enter into the flow of relational love that the Trinity shares. We've been given a new identity through Christ. We've been invited into participation with Christ. We've been grafted into Christ and amazingly into God's family. Now we're now drafted and grafted into a family that's bigger than you. So much of our culture talks about individualism. And, and there's a point of that that's really good and healthy, to work on yourself. But you've been grafted into something so much better and bigger than you thought when you live within the family of God. One of the images that Paul writes about and others speak in the New Testament is about the body of Christ. This body of believers that represents Christ's body on, the world, on display for the world to see. That the church isn't a building, that's just a, a building that has an address. This is where we meet. Element City Church is not this place. It's you. It's us. It's all of us together. And what God can put on display through you individually is a powerful thing. But what he can put on display through us together is so much bigger and better than you thought it was. That when churches begin to live with unity, it begins to put God on display in a powerful way that our world longs to see and struggles to see or to see it in healthy ways. The church is the body of Christ in our here and now, in this season, in this generation. And we must speak with one voice, with unity. That doesn't mean uniformity. That doesn't mean we all look the same. In fact, through our diversity, our togetherness actually speaks with more power because of the diversity of who and how we're all wired. Think about this. Think about your own body. You know, there are 78 organs, 206 bones, over 600 muscles, and 12 major systems of your body that are functioning right now in harmony and unity to make you, you. You're complex. You're bigger and better than you thought you were. Just you. 
and you're many parts, but you are one body. The Apostle Paul speaks and picks up with this language as he begins to describe what does the church look like as it's one body, the body of Christ. Here's the words he uses. The human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where, it, where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. That'd be weird, if we're a giant ear. That'd be weird, a giant foot. That'd be weird, right? You need all of the parts of the body, he says. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you has a part in it. He speaks about the giftings that he's given to the body of Christ, which is the church, it's you, it's me all of us together, that when the church is together in uh, united, functioning healthy, it puts on display a powerful statement of the unity of God, and the power of God is seen in incredible ways. And unity doesn't equal uniformity or sameness. It, it speaks about togetherness and a unified force of God, for God and his good in the world and a unifying force that pushes you to become more of who you were created to be individually, that you're helping one another. Jesus spoke like this in John 13. So now I give you a new commandment. Well, who gives new commandments? Well, God gave the first 10, and here's Jesus speaking again about his deity, about who he really is. He's not just a good teacher. He is the son of God. I'm gonna give you a new command. Only one person has said that. It was God. So here he is saying it again, a new command. Here's the new command, love each other. Just as I have loved you, Jesus said. Meaning what you've just witnessed for the last three years, how I've loved you, you are to love one another. And as you love one another, the world will see that you are my disciples. You're my followers, you're my apprentices. I think the world needs to see more of that. Don't you? So where does that start? Well, it starts with you. It starts with us choosing sometimes to sacrifice. It starts with us choosing to sacrifice our pride sometimes and to seek forgiveness or to seek wholeness or to seek unity when in your heart of hearts you just want disunity, you just want division, you just want your way. And yet, when Jesus says you're a part of something bigger, you've been incorporated and united into something that's so much bigger and better than you. In fact, if you lean into it, it's actually gonna help you become more and more who I've redeemed and rescued you to be. But there's edges to you and I want to use this family to chip away at some of those edges. Being a part of a church, friends, is not easy, is it? Being a part of a church that's trying to, to grow unity does not mean there's no hiccups or no speed bumps along the way. What it means is that we're unified together to move forward in God's direction and where he's leading us. And that as we bump into each other, as we chip off things in one another, that we seek forgiveness when we need to, that we seek wholeness and reconciliation as we need to, that we would speak into one another's life, that we would give permission for people to speak into my life, for people to speak into your life, and to say, hey, 
I think maybe there's a blind spot here. And can I just point you toward God's best? And we do it in love, and we do it in truth. That's not always easy, especially in a consumeristic culture that says, look, this is just about me showing up and about me checking a box and going home, and it's about me and God. There's a part of that. That is true. But friends, union with Christ and incorporation into the family, the body of Christ, is so much bigger than just you. And if it's just about you, you are missing out on so much of what God wants to accomplish through us and what he wants to accomplish in you when you say yes to that and you step into that. I love what Philip Yancey says, for the watching world, we ourselves serve proof that God is alive. We form the visible shape of what he's really like when we live out being the church. This is not about sameness. This is about oneness, a a unity together. The we is actually greater than just me. Me's important. You're important. But you're important because of how you take up a whole part of the we. And it's the body of Christ that puts his love on display, that puts his hope on display. We're all kinds of different wiring, different skill sets, different abilities, different dreams, and as God assembles all that, each part just where he wants it. That's what Paul wrote, right? That you're the body of Christ as he assembles that. Your love one to another will prove to a watching world that there's opportunity, that this kingdom of God is bigger than they thought, and there's actually room for them and there's a place for them, and there's an opportunity for them. It's an opportunity to step in to use their skill sets and their passions and the gifting God has put within them, the dreams that he's birthing in them to be a part of the bigger dream of what he wants to accomplish through his church. And so what I wanna do is just invite you into a conversation that we've been having for the last two or three months uh, as David and Brian and I and our staff have been praying, God, what do you have for us in 2020? What, what, do, you, what do you want us to focus in on? There's so much that you could do as a church. There, there's so many things you can give your energy and your time, your resources, your focus to. What would you like to see us do? How would you want to leverage this slice of the kingdom, us together, And very clearly, I think God's been saying, look, I want you to lean into growing a prayer movement within your church. We've been talking about that. Brian's mentioned that. We want to be a church that prays. We want to be a church that prays because it's releasing God's power, not just what we can muster up, but God's power into this world. Friends, our world needs more of God's power and his activity in it. It's bigger than just what you and I can put our heads together and we can kind of craft and create. That's important too, but it needs more than just that. And so we want to invite us together into leaning in this year to growing that prayer movement. Now, for some of you, you may be young in your faith, you may be walking with the Lord for a lot of years, and you hear that, okay, lean in to grow a prayer movement. What does that mean? Well, it can mean a host of things. So can I just highlight a couple? Uh, One is maybe just helping you grow in your own prayer life. 
What would it look like for, for you to say, hey, look, I, I want to be better at prayer at the end of this year than I was maybe at the start of this year. So begin to pray into and discover, okay, what would that look like? Uh, maybe join us in an adventure of what we're calling three-by-three three prayer. And here's the simple challenge of it, okay? Uh, you're a Christian. As a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian. You're, you are representing Christ wherever you go. We do this often on mission trips where you go on a mission trip and you get a prayer team around to pray for you. And you go, hey, I'm gonna be gone for a week and a half in this mission trip, would you pray for me? Well, I hate to break this to you, but you're on a mission trip right now. It's called life. And uh, whether you knew it or not, welcome, glad you're here. Uh, and you're on a mission for God in this world because that's what we're talking about. You're, you're a participant in this gospel story. It's not just something out there, you're actually in it. And so what would it look like for you to ask God to show you, hey, who are three people that I could ask to pray for me? And here's the challenge. You ask three people to pray for three minutes a day for you for maybe three months. Jack, what's the catch? There's no catch. That's it. You ask God to show you three people that you know that don't have to have go here, but you know family, extended family, beyond that, work people, uh, grocery clerks, I don't know who you know, but like you would ask three people, God, who's the three people that I'm gonna ask them to pray for me for three minutes a day? And you just simply say, look, I'm trying to live this God life and, and I know I can't do that on my own. And so I need God's power and his activity more in my life. And here's the crazy thing is like your name came up and I would love if you would just partner with me in praying for me. And, and I'll pray for you. Uh, but like, would you just partner with me and pray for me three minutes a day for three months? And if God shows you something, if he tells you something, if he brings a verse to mind, would you just pass that along? If he tells you something that you're supposed to tell me, well then tell me, I wanna be in on the journey. And, and if I have something, I'm gonna tell you. And you just kinda grow this prayer movement. For some of us, we have never done that, never done anything like that. You may have even maybe had someone pray for you one time. But what would it look like to actually stretch yourself and say, I, I wanna ask people to pray for me. Here's my hunch, the people you ask will feel honored that you ask them. I don't think they're gonna feel a burden about it. I think they're gonna feel honored that like, you want me to pray for you? Uh, okay, I can do that. And, and maybe it's just an encouragement one to another. So three by three prayer. We've got, uh, Dave did a great video on YouTube that kind of walks through that if you have uh, information you want more about that, you can watch that. In fact, on the app today in the events, you can actually click on it and you can sign up. And that all you're signing up for is to say, I think I want to do that. Okay? And then we would like to encourage you. A answer any questions you got. We'd just like to come alongside you. So the three by three prayer would be one way. Uh, every first Wednesday, we do a prayer meeting here on campus. I don't know if you knew that. We'd like to invite you to come. It's for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And we pray, and here's what we're diving into this year, is every month we wanna kinda have a new theme to our prayer, that everyone is focused on praying this into our city, into our community, and so we're kinda mapping that out even now, and we'll send an email out if you can't make it, but we would love to invite you to join us in praying into that, and how God might want to speak and work and work in and work through our church in that. We're hosting a citywide prayer conference here February 6th through 8th. Uh, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There's information on the 
um, communion tables and out at the lobby, what would it look like for you to take a, take a step and be like, okay, I've never been to a prayer conference. Well, what if you came for one day? Uh, what if you came for four hours? What if you just took a step in that? How could you grow in that? This summer, our teaching team, we're gonna teach through a prayer series. What does the scriptures have to say about prayer? How do we engage in that? We're gonna maybe actually even do some prayer pop-ups around this city. You've heard of pop-up parties that Starbucks does. We're gonna do prayer pop-up parties. I have no idea what that even looks like yet. But we're gonna do it, and we're gonna try it. And we're gonna pray into our city. We're gonna pray for God to move and have his activity released more and more in our city. We want to grow a prayer movement. We wanna grow in a deeper connection with God and with one another. So how can we help you grow in a deeper connection with God? If you've never read the scriptures before, like that's never been a pattern in your life, I can't think of a better tool than the YouVersion Bible app. It's free, there are thousands of reading plans on there. Don't get overwhelmed with thousands. Here, there's a lot of choices. And you can just find one, even if it's for five days, and just start a new habit for yourself to invest in that. We wanna grow in deepening of connection. Do you know there's a group of people that go out to dinner every Sunday night after service? Do you know you're invited? You are, you're welcome to. Do you know that you sit around the same people more than likely because we are all creatures of habit and my hunch is you sit in almost the same seat if not the same row or same section every single Sunday. Do you know why I know that? Because I preach a lot and I can see you. And you're always in the same place. Melody, you're throwing me off a little bit because you were, okay, anyway. But like this idea that you are in the same, what if you just went to dinner with the people around you? What? You could do that? Yeah, we give you permission. What would it look like to grow in deepening connection, to plug into some of the stuff we have going on, the calendar items that come up? We wanna challenge all of us that the we is greater than the me. You have work to do, and that's important. You're united with Christ, you have his power empowering you to do so. But we have work to do. And God has work to do in us and work to do through us this year. So I want to pray into that and then just invite us to have a moment to, maybe you want to sit and reflect on something you heard. Maybe you want to take communion. You're welcome to. We've got tables around on the floor and some in the balcony. Gluten-free bread is up here. Crackers up here if you need that. But would you just kind of join me in praying for us together in this journey? God, we want to be a gospel people. We want to understand that this story of you, Jesus, is so much bigger and better than we ever gave it thought or gave you credit for. And we're so sorry for sometimes reducing it down or shrinking it down and trying to make it portable or palatable and, or understandable, and, and yet it's so much beyond us. And the crazy part is you've invited us into your story. You've made us participants with you. You've changed our identity, not because of who we are or what we do, because of who you say we are. And what you speak into us as one who is redeemed and rescued by Jesus. You have united us with you. You've gifted us the Holy Spirit who works in us and through us and on us and, and into our hearts. And we wanna get better at understanding and growing and nurturing our connection with you. We wanna grow in our deepening our connection with one another. God, you've given us a family, a body to belong to, to function, and that each has a part to play and to participate in, but together we can do so much more. When we live in unity, 
And even in our diversity, you've made us unique and you've woven all of that together in, in a unified force to put you on display in our here and now, in our generation. God, the church, the capital C church, in so many ways, has so much more potential to her. Father, would you move us individually, corporately, to be your church, putting Jesus on display in the way we interact, the conversations we have, the way we love in grace and truth, God. We want to be people who pump up the reputation and the presence of Jesus, who diminish the divisive things that try to rip us apart. God, we're so sorry for our part in that. We stand and embrace your forgiveness again as we take communion, remembering that it was your body broken, your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. God, we want to be a people that have a clean heart before you. We want to have a greater impact than just the me. So individually, move in us, but corporately, move us to be more and more of Jesus with skin on to a watching world that needs to see him more, experience him deeper, and be embraced by him.